This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue and Sean Fitz wrapping up this first week of June with you here on our second episode of the week. On our first episode this week, we previewed the immense recruiting action that is about to take place throughout the month. That is already well underway. Some key visitors have already come through Happy Valley, have already posted pictures from their visit. We are back to normal with recruiting. We got a lot to talk about on this episode. We also caught up for one-on-one interviews with Theo Johnson and Keandre Lambert-Smith, two second-year players in the offensive plans for Penn State. That's going to lead us into a different kind of conversation uh, during the second half of this podcast. But Sean, the episode, it has to start with the fact that there are prospects with feet on the ground in State College. Yeah, it's it's great. And it actually has to start with an apology because this is not really the uh, episode that we planned to put together. We were supposed to have Andy Frank uh, from Penn State on to talk about visitors, talk about the summer and all that kind of stuff. His schedule, as you can imagine, got pretty hectic this week. He called me yesterday. I said, hey, I just I don't have the time to do it. So we expect him on next week. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, we're look, really looking forward to talking to Andy about the particulars of what Penn State's dealing with, what the recruiting staff's dealing with, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's interesting because you can still get a lot of information. He can't come out and say, yeah, here's who we're hosting. Here's who's coming onto campus, all that kind of stuff, because it's against NCAA rules. But there's still a lot you can get out to it, or excuse me, get out of it, talk about the logistics behind it, talk about kind of the, the, the way that they've done in the past, the way that they've done in the future, all that kind of stuff. So a lot to look forward to, but we were, we were hoping to have it on this episode and we're going to have to turn this one around. So for stammering and stumbling, that's uh, that's on us because we had to pull a 180 in the last day. But regardless, your point stands. There are visitors in Happy Valley. Got it kicked off on Tuesday the 1st with Drew Shelton, uh, the big offensive tackle commit. So huge to get him in. I think we talked about that on the first episode this week. Followed it up, uh, staying in that same part of the state, Josiah Trotter, who plays at St. Joe's Prep. The name very familiar, of course, Jeremiah Trotter's son, uh, middle linebacker, just like his dad. Uh, a lot to like there. Penn State made a good impression on him, and it's it's good to get out and and make that uh, make that first impression. Be able to, um, you know, it's been so long since any of these guys could actually see campuses or anything like that. It's you know, it's it, it's good to get out in front of it, and they're going to do that this weekend. Yeah, Josiah Trotter's older brother, Jeremiah Jr., uh, now a freshman at Clemson. His dad, of course, a two-time All-Pro selection with the Philadelphia Eagles. Brian Doan caught up with him. There's a story up on lines247.com right now that you can check out. By the way, I know people who are plugged in and check the message boards every day and don't miss an episode of the podcast probably know who Andy Frank is. There are listeners out there, I'm assuming Sean, who they don't know who he is because of the work he does behind the scenes. That is Penn State's director of player personnel. So a big get for this podcast. It won't happen this episode, but we hope to have that happen in the near future. And it's a really important time to catch up on some of that stuff, probably slip in some conversation on the transfer portal and Penn State's approach there as well. I just wanted to, to clarify that, Sean, because 
We know Andy, not everybody out there does. That's a good point. Yeah. And that, <laughs> there's a lot of people like that in the building. We're just kind of mentioned names offhand and some of that stuff kind of gets washed over. But yes, Andy, very important in that role, uh, very high up on the uh, on the staff who kind of runs the recruiting aspect of things. And and this season, camp season, man, he hasn't had one in, in two years. So it's all coming back on him this week. And unfortunately, that's uh, uh, our show was a casualty for that. Another story that's up on, on Lions 24-7 this week was the Drew Shelton reaction to his first time back on campus. Um, committed last fall and has undergone a big change since then, transferring out of the public high school system in Pennsylvania, ending up with the National Powerhouse down at IMG Academy, where he's sharing a locker room with Power 5 targets uh, from all across America. This is a name that you have repeatedly brought up, Sean, when we've saying, okay, well, Caden Saunders is locked in, Jerry Cross is locked in, who's next? Drew Shelton hasn't given us that 107% locked in tweet to this point. What were the vibes coming off of that interview and the story uh, that, that you picked up? I think that's pretty accurate. Just in talking to Drew, I think he wants to explore what's still out there and not ready to completely lock it down and and sort of shut himself in, which, you know, that's not for everybody. So I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up at other schools. I think he'll take it very quietly, but you know, it was a good visit for Penn state. He got a chance to uh, be with Phil Troutwine and James Franklin pretty much the entire day. Uh, like what he saw, he's going to come back up for an official in a couple of weeks. So I don't think he's quite that uh, 107% locked in, but it's certainly a positive visit for, for young Mr. Shelton. Other commits on the way to campus today, actually on Friday and playing on sticking around throughout the weekend from what I've gathered, Tyrese Mills and Ken Talley. Mills, you heard in the uh, last week's episode of the podcast, coming on a safety at a Lackawanna College who played at Northeast High School in Philadelphia. Uh, Ken Talley at Northeast making that trip with him. Um, and then they'll be with Sean Battle, who is a 2023 pro- prospect in Philadelphia, a four-star linebacker by 24-7 sports evaluation, picked up a Penn State offer last spring as a freshman. And now here he is. Uh, that offer list has grown in a significant way, as has his interactions with Penn State staff. It's Terry Smith. It's Deion Barnes. That's familiar at this point for these Philadelphia guys. And, and just the fact that while he's not camping um, for Penn State in Saturday or Sunday when these camps are happening, he's going to be on campus exploring the situation, getting face to face with the staff. And uh, that's interesting. And it's one of those things in Philadelphia where if you can get somebody on board who is a good peer recruiter, he'll always make sure there's there's a spot open in the car when he makes a trip to campus and, and Sean Battle now a part of this road trip. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're going to see that throughout the month of June getting guys up from Philly, getting guys up from Pittsburgh, sort of trying to reestablish those, you know, they, they've done, they put in a lot of work during the, during the pandemic about trying to be visible in their eyes. And then now the next step's getting them to campus. You got those guys coming in, uh, you know, over, over the course of the weekend, you got uh, Tamir Robinson from a fantastic prospect in the 2023 class from Pittsburgh, Brashear coming in. He's a, probably a linebacker long-term, but he's a, one of the nation's top safety prospects in that, uh, in, in that group right now, Lamont Payne's going to come in camp on, on Sunday. So they're looking to get uh, a lot of these guys in state. And I think it's just going to be, I, I wouldn't call it a slow trickle, but I think you're going to see a lot of guys pop up. Rodney Gallagher is a top 50 kid going to be on campus at the end of the month. I think you're going to see a lot of guys from Pittsburgh and Philly over the month of, of June, um, sort of uh, a, re- a reward in terms of the work that they put in during the pandemic. There's still a lot of road ahead for those guys, but at the same time, getting these guys on campus, very important in June. Pennsylvania high school standouts finally getting back to Happy Valley. And and it's, of course, a non-regional situation when Penn State puts up these camps. Guys making the trip from 
from far and wide. And JJ Cole is a name to know here out of Ankeny, Iowa. Uh, that is the same hometown as Penn State kicker Jake Pinniger, whose kicking coach is JJ's dad, uh, Jamie Cole. Of course, with Cole's kicking, it's it's a service that we referenced when we had uh, Penn State's newest punter commit on. And they have him ranked as the number one kicker in the country, a punter in the country. Uh, this is the same Cole, and and this kid is a quarterback, not a kicker. He's six foot six, Sean. He's a rising junior in the 2023 class. Just got his first power. Power five offer this week from Iowa State. He's going to get a chance to throw and work with Mike Yursich this upcoming weekend. And he's just one of a few 2023 quarterback recruits that we'll be keeping our eyes on throughout the month, beginning with this weekend. Because as I said last week, when we talked about the new coaches and, and their opportunity to finally assess quarterback prospects, well, Mike Yursich is in an excellent position for 2022 with two quarterback pledges on board. 2023, far more open-ended. You've got some offers out there. There's a lot of guys that we still have a lot to learn about because of the lack of film, because of the lack of camps. Cole is one. Another is Drew Viado out of Canada. Um, he's now playing a ball in the States up in Michigan. He's going to be on campus this weekend, too. And, um, you know, I think this is a spot, the 2023 quarterback target board that between now and the end of July, it's going to really transform. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we pointed out in the first episode this week is you're going to sort of get an idea of the allure of Mike Yersich by who comes out and works out. I think there's more names to add to that list. Trey Jones from Illinois has got some offers. And, and let's be honest here, it, it's 20, 2023 prospects. If you're a quarterback right now, if you have a power five offer, you're in a pretty good spot. You you certainly have you know shown enough where, where coaches are impressed to that point. It's still very early in the cycle. I mean, nobody's been able to watch these guys throw. So if you have an offer right now as a 2023 quarterback, probably a pretty good prospect. I don't know that it all shakes out that way in the end, but that's in, that's for us to speculate in the next year. Um, another guy, Jack Capaldi is coming up. Uh, he's a 22 quarterback uh, out of Malvern prep. This is a kid I saw at the elite 11 down in Philly. And I was a big fan of uh, they've, Penn state's got two quarterbacks in the 22 class. So I don't know that the scholarship is possible, but man, just the thought of getting that kid as a walk-on would be freaking unbelievable because he was he was really terrific down at the Elite Eleven. Um, so I'm I'm curious to watch his progress from there. Uh, Champ uh, Champ Long from Jersey has been to camp a few times. Caden Olson's a, a kid from Western Pennsylvania. So I expect the quarterback groups, you know, and that's probably jumping ahead of ourselves here, but I expect the quarterback groups this weekend to be fairly solid, which is not always the case in camp season. Yeah, you mentioned Caden, Caden Olson uh, out of Western Pennsylvania. He was the, the leading passer in the WPIAL last year as a first year varsity starter as a sophomore, six foot four, no offers on the table. But, but uh, again, there's a lot of mystery around these guys in this quarterback class. And to your point, if you've got an offer right now, a power five offer for a quarterback coming out of the pandemic, you're in a great spot because Drew Aller, who is now ascending into the top 50 overall rankings in 24 seven sports and, uh, guy that everybody wants at their All-American Showcase events. This time last year, Sean, uh, it was a very small and unimpressive offer list. He hadn't even you know, become a varsity starter. And that's the other thing you're dealing with. A lot of these quarterbacks we're talking about in the 2023 class because of what was ahead of them on the depth chart in high school or because of the pandemic circumstances that impacted their seasons. They may only have a game or two or three of varsity tape, if that. It's a really tough situation. I mean, you because you've got usually an, an evaluation. You know, like if you're that kid and you haven't had a varsity start something, you're going into your sophomore, junior season, whatever it be, maybe even senior season. But that's obviously more and more rare these days uh, with with tra- quarterbacks transferring all over the place. Uh, then you're 
you know, you're, you've, you've been in a no-win situation for the last year. You usually get the evaluation period, camp season. Then you get the following evaluation period, the following camp season. It's, a, it's kind of a, a long haul for these uh, these quarterbacks, and they haven't gotten that. So I'm excited to see these guys try to throw it around. I'm excited to see the camp list. I think there's a bunch of guys, uh, especially in that 22 group. This is something that we've touched on before. You've got guys coming uh, like Raleigh Collins from uh, Newman Gretti down in Philly, Michael Wing from Delaware, guys that are have quote unquote offers, but are going to have to work out and going to have to impress to be able to act on those offers. So I think there's a, a, a wide array. Brian Doan just posted a story or I assume has posted a story in the time that we wrote this Abdul Carter, uh, the linebacker from LaSalle is going to come up and work out. So those will be intriguing to me to, to check out, you know, if these guys can actually you know, make that leap because if they can, and all of a sudden it opens up, you could see a situation where a guy jumps on the offer and you all of a sudden have a, a new member of your class. So that'll be intriguing. Uh, beyond that bunch of visitors this weekend, Sean Murphy, I believe he's a five-star linebacker and and on rivals, uh, four-star in the composite. We have him a little bit lower. Um, he's going to come up. He's part of a, a I guess we'll call it a bus tour, but I think it's only six guys. So I can't imagine it's an impressive bus, but he's going to come up. Yeah. Van tour. I think Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, and then Penn state the next day. So I don't know how they're making it work. I don't know if they own a map. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. Um, But Sean Murphy's expected to be on campus this weekend, along with Rico Walker, really, really good defensive end from, from North Carolina. So busy, busy weekend. And we haven't even gotten to the official visitors. That's right. Round one of the official visitors. It is the, the smallest group of official visitors that we are expecting throughout the month here for Penn State. Each weekend, you're going to see guys on campus going through this, you know, 48 hours or so. Um, of course, expenses are paid, um, but not a long trip for, for one of the guys on campus. Ryan Brubaker was on campus in April, got into Beaver Stadium for that last practice scrimmage. I think if not, he was on campus at least that day when there were some other folks around the university. Uh, the son of a former uh, Nittany Lions lineman, he's got options. Stanford's one that seems to stand out, some in the SEC as well. Uh, but but here he is, and, and I would imagine you know getting this visit in early. Um, I don't know what else you know Penn State could really do coming out of the official visit with a legacy kid who's in the state, I think at that point, you're just hoping that no one else sways him to leave home. Yeah. Basically it's a, it's a setting the bar visit and you got to put yourself out there and say, okay, this is, you're one of our guys. And I know it probably didn't start that way in his recruitment, but you're one of the top guys that we want. Uh, your legacy, legacy, stay home, play for Penn State, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of what you got to sell to him. And I know he's very interested in the SEC. He's got those other visits set up for the, the remainder of June. I believe he was just out at Stanford what this this week uh, to open the the period on an unofficial. Um, so Stanford, of course, always always lurking somewhere for uh, for the academic kids. But uh, you've got to put yourself in position to you know sort of I guess throw throw that weight around. Say we are the biggest program you're looking at. We are the the program you grew up following and whatever hesitations that you have because of how your recruitment started or whatever, then, you know, kind of cast them aside because this is a place you need to be. So we'll see if that resonates with, with Brubaker. I, I think Penn State's in a good spot, but they have work to do, if that makes any sense, because I, I don't know that his his meter is all the way filled up in terms of when he wants to make a decision, how he wants to make a decision. And this is uh, this is a chance to be a first impression and another one of those first impressions. He was up a couple of months ago for a scrimmage, but it's, it's another it's a strong first impression for Phil Troutwine to make. 
Brubaker, a four-star composite offensive tackle, Penn State, with a couple offensive linemen committed to this class. Malik McNeil joined it in May. And as we mentioned, Drew Shelton um, visiting this week and, and committed last fall. Uh, with Shelton and with IMG, it's a program that's going to be sending a lot of guys all over the, the country for official visits this June. And a couple of them heading up the Happy Valley this week. And I think actually maybe already here by the time we record, Sean, um, Katron Allen, a running back who picked up a, a Penn State offer as an underclassman. And then Keon Saab, who got his uh, you know a start as a national name in in New Jersey, ends up at IMG uh, and one of the many transplants down there. Um, we've seen Penn State prize some talent out of, out of uh, IMG. Noah Kane, who started his career in Texas, KJ Hamler, who, who did a lot of good things in Michigan before ending up at IMG. Uh, here's a couple more, and you've already got a guy in that locker room committed to the class. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're trying to be a presence at IMG. Nobody's going to be, uh, a, nobody's going to have a pipeline to IMG just because of the background of all the kids. And, you know, it, it's obviously easier if you're down south to recruit them, but Penn State's actually had some success there, and uh, they, they've done a nice job. But uh, getting two of those guys up this weekend, of course, Drew Shelton was on campus earlier this week. So trying to do what you can with that, uh, it's tough. But at the same time, Saab's been on the on the board for a long time. I think they've even offered, what, his younger brother, the 2026 uh, prospect or something like that. So you know they're all in with Keon Saab. Uh, Katron Allen's actually a Virginia kid. So it kind of makes sense if, if he wants to check it out. I, I think that you know, there's a ways to go if you're going to land Katron Allen in this class, really, really good running back. And I think Penn State's in a, in a good spot with, uh, you know, the, the number of running back targets they're going to have on campus this month. Um, but yeah, I think that one's going to be uh, a little bit tougher. So uh, you, you got to get out there. You got to make it appealing for Keon Saab because you're, you're looking at Clemson, uh, Georgia. I mean, you're, you're, playing against a different level here than, than some, you know, no offense to the Brubaker, um, but, you know, Clemson, Georgia, I think uh, LSU or whoever is else is in there for Keon Saab is a little different than Vanderbilt, Tennessee, all those guys, uh, South Carolina, who they're going against for Brubaker. But regardless, I mean, you've only got three guys in this weekend, so you, you're going to give a cha- get a chance to get a lot of attention. I know that they're going to work around camps and things like that, but you have a chance to give them the attention that they're hoping for and, and hopefully, you know, push it, uh, push it a little higher. Allen is the first of several uh, anticipated running back visitors this June. Uh, Nick Singleton headlines that list. You can add Atlanta's Damari Alston to that list now. Steve Wiltfong reporting that he's going to use an official visit in late June to Penn State. So the names continue to build up at running back. We expect Penn State to end up with two of them. Uh, Allen, the first to get to campus for his OV. And Sean, um, we talked a lot last episode about how this class will build and how we're expecting a significant jump in commitments between now and the end of the summer. You've got a commitment uh, prediction in on the crystal ball. Yeah, Jaden Gould. Uh, this is one that we've been watching for a long time. Uh, this is one where Penn State was kind of rumored at the at the top with Michigan to start. Um, I think it's kind of gone in a different direction for Michigan. He's had some injury problems, but Penn State's been able to to get him. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say fully on board, but I, I really like where Penn State stands, and I don't expect his recruitment to go deep into the summer. He's he's going to USC this weekend for an official visit. Going to go to Penn State next weekend, and I think uh, you know. We don't expect a ton of guys with uh, making a move in June, but I do think that J- that Jaden Gould could be one of those guys, and I feel really good about where Penn State stands in that one. 
where we let off this podcast with almost 20 minutes of just a recruiting rundown. And that's really just what has happened since we last recorded about 48, 50 hours ago. So just to give you a general sense of what's going on at Lions 24-7 right now, what will continue to happen at Lions 24-7 throughout the summer, we are full throttle with recruiting. You'll see stories from Steve, from Brian Doan, uh, from Alan True up on the site all month, all summer, all year. And you can jump on board right now, 60% off an annual VIP subscription. That deal going on through the weekend. And that'll get you on board less than $4 a month all the way in through next spring. So that's a lot to cover. The transfer portal, basketball recruiting is heating up as well. That's all part of our package at Lions 24-7. So I figured that was a good time to remind our listening audience. I know a lot of you already subscribe and we do appreciate that. Uh, Sean, we're going to turn our attention away from recruiting on the other side because this week I had a chance to sit down and speak with Theo Johnson and Keandre Lambert-Smith. Uh, first media availabilities that I've had with those guys since they enrolled on campus last year. Uh, what are we looking at from that second year group of players in the Penn State offense. And you'll hear from Keandre and you'll hear from Theo uh, some of the takeaways from those interviews in just a moment. Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The conversation continues here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, and we turn our attention from prioritized Penn State targets who are coming to campus to visit this month to a couple of recent blue chip prospects who did sign with Penn State, got their start at the college level last year. And what a way to start things off in a pandemic-impacted 2020 for Keandre Lambert-Smith and Theo Johnson. Um, Penn State w- was kind enough to grant us interviews with both those players this week. You'll, he- you'll see and read some written content uh, from those conversations conversations coming up at lines247.com in the days to come. Uh, but Sean, I want to start here uh, with, with Theo and Keandre. These were marquee members of, of last year's class, ultimately shortchanged by the situation they encountered on campus. Both of them enrolled early in different circumstances. Uh, but I think it's just very clear that that these two guys, you may not have gotten the full dose last year, fully expect them and fully view them as ascending figures on this roster. Yeah, we're, I mean, you've got this list in front of me of, of the freshmen, the guys that are freshmen again this year. Um, and Johnson and Lambert Smith just jump out, I'll just jump off the page there, uh, along with Parker Washington, who honestly, do we even consider him a freshman? I know it's kind of the, the same situation, <laughs> but he played so much last year that you don't even think about him when you think about guys that are actually going to be true freshmen this year. Um, but Theo is, I mean, the sky's the limit with this kid. I mean, I know Pat was just a second round pick. Gasecki was just a second round pick, but I mean, he's got that kind of potential. He's that he's got that kind of athleticism. He's got better size and you know he can he can really catch the ball and move so i'm really excited to see his progress in this year and 
he's going to be a program ambassador. He's going to be the guy that you see out on the the graphics, the guys that you see out in the videos and things like that. And that's really cool when you couple that when you kind of see his face pop up and think, okay, he's still a true freshman. Um, he's you know he's been in school for a year, but he's still a true freshman. He's still getting adjusted not only to um, college football, but also a different country. So I know he's just right across the ridge there in Windsor, but yeah, he's, uh, that's a long stride. That's a lot of strides to make and says a lot about the makeup of Theo Johnson. And I, I, he's, he's a guy that even though we've seen him just a limited amount, you really don't expect to be here for four or five years because of, uh, of the potential that he brings to the table. Really excited to see what Mike Yersich is going to do with Johnson because he's got Brenton Strange. He likes Brenton Strange a whole lot. I like Brenton Strange a whole lot too. That's no no secret. But they're going to have to uh, figure out a way to get those guys both on the field because honestly, I mean, that's a twelve personnel that make, that makes you better than the three. Probably makes you better than the three wide receiver look that you're coming out with. So excited to see what they do with those guys. But excited to see. I've always been a big fan of Theo Johnson since he was a recruit. But excited to see that progress in year two. And he certainly anticipates a lot of that 12 personnel. He wants to see two tight ends out there. He thinks he's going to see it. And that's the plan for Penn State and Mike Yersich. And that's what we saw at Beaver Stadium in April. The couple of times we got a look at the team, a lot of Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren out there together. Um, same deal with Brenton Strange, who, who we have, you know, projecting as the starter. You could see, you know, two guys essentially playing a lot of football and a third getting involved there as we'll get to in a moment. But Theo Johnson, just to update folks, he was the top five tight end prospect in the 2020 recruiting class, a big prize for Penn state down the stretch there. They beat out, you know, some staunch competition to get him on campus in January. And what within four or five days of his enrollment, Sean, he suffers a a dislocated shoulder, Um, that injury occurring down at the under at the under armor, all America practices in Orlando, Florida, so he wasn't going to be ready last spring. James Franklin said that, you know, because of that shoulder situation, even if they had 15 spring practices, he would have probably been spending a lot of time on the sideline or a lot of time with the trainers. Well, he has certainly overcome that. He played a lot of football last fall. He's now six foot six, listed at 253 pounds. And oh, by the way, keep that size in mind when I remind you that he shared a 4-5-1 40-yard dash this offseason, Sean. And Mike Kosicki topped all tight ends on that Penn State leaderboard that they have in the weight room. He ran a 4-5-4. Theo, at that size, 4-5-1. So he's now on top of that board. How about that? And Theo was, (laughs) I mean, Theo, the day that he got offered, it was the same day Brenton Strange got offered. And he tested at like a high four sevens or something like that. And they're like, man, this kid can really move. And, you know, I think we're so conditioned to think, okay, everybody runs a four five or what a four three or whatever it may be. And Especially those, around here. <laughs> yeah. All those things are, are, are embellished, but to be that size and move that well, that says something. Uh, Nick Elkson has put up similar numbers the following year. And that's why I'm really high on him uh, at Florida, but uh, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about him putting that together. And, and I was just kind of thinking, as you were talking about his shoulder injury um, and, you know, getting it cleaned up and, he almost benefited from not not even having to try to test it in the spring. So give it time to to heal, give it time to sort of be away from that. And, you know, it seems like it's not, uh, now obviously I'm not in the training room with him, but it seems like it's not an issue uh, as much anymore. So that's certainly, you know, maybe one of the silver linings you could draw from that. What a segue, Sean, because I did ask Theo right off the bat in our conversation about showing up to campus and needing medical treatment and then year number one and and having to leave campus and having to recover from an injury. Where does he come out the other end of it here in 2021? Here was his response. I think that it was a, it was a good challenge for me. You know, it was a little bit of adversity I had coming in, but I think that um, in the long run, it actually worked out 
uh, for the best for me. Um, because, you know, I got to ease into things a little bit slower than some of the other guys, um, which was, I think, good for me personally. And then, you know, COVID happened. Um, so I didn't really miss a ton, which kind of worked out for the best for me. So I think it was a little bit of a challenge, but it was a challenge that I needed. And I think that was beneficial for me. My mindset's a lot more different now. Uh, I think last year, um, was kind of, you know, Pat's the guy and, and was, was more of, you know, soaking up as much as I can and, and really, you know, trying to, trying to improve myself. And, I, and I'm still trying to do that, but I think now uh, my mindset's kind of switched a little bit to where now I'm, I'm really kind of attacking these workouts. I'm, I'm trying to get the most out of everything because I know that, uh, this year is going to be a big year for me. So I'm trying to get the most out of it. I, I feel as good as I have ever had physically. I feel really good with Coach Howe and, and the plays and, and my technique. So um, I'm feeling really confident coming into coming into camp. And Sean, of course, that entire room was impacted by Pratt Fryermuth, a guy that we discussed, a team captain, an extension of that coaching staff, um, a guy I fully expect to be a coach down the line at a very high level. Um, but but Pat Fryermuth was a big reason why Theo Johnson ended up committing to Penn State. He wanted to spend at least a year with him seeing how he goes about his business on a daily basis. And then, you know, between Fryermuth and Gesicki, the guys before that, the standard that has been set in the tight end room and the reason that we keep saying tight end room is going to be okay is because of the way they've recruited, the talent that is still there. Um, I thought these were some interesting comments from Theo, Sean, not just on Pat Fryermuth, but about this room and kind of where you need to be if you want to fit in. Uh, for sure, the biggest thing I took away was how he works um, and just seeing a guy at that level, how he operates himself, just little things day to day, his routine, pre-practice, his routine, post-practice, uh, what he does to get himself ready uh, mentally before games in the locker room, stuff like that, because um, there's a lot to take away. And I got some really good work with him last summer. Uh, you know, me and him were getting like, a lot of good work in. And I think it was really good for me to kind of see what it takes to to be at that level. And I think that uh, that learning experience last year was really good. And I think I've implemented a lot of things uh, into my now uh, routines and uh, things before practice. So I think that that uh, that time was very, very valuable for me, uh, learning from a guy like Pat, who is is at the highest level uh, right now. Honestly, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm, I'm here right now is because I know the, I know the standard's very high and I, I like that. I like that I have a lot to, uh, big boots to fill, um, and a lot to live up to. And, and I like that because I know that I'm going to exceed those expectations and it's exciting to me to be able to have the opportunity to do that. There's been a ton of guys that have been done some great things here at Penn State at the tight end position. And, you know, that's why I came here is to to be another one of those guys to uh, reach that level. And honestly, you see a lot of Pat Fryermuth and Theo Johnson. And, and I think Theo's going to be a coach. You mentioned Pat was going to end up coaching at some point. Theo's going to be a coach at some point, too. So, um, you know, you kind of build that assembly line, learn that down and 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 make it happen. So I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of transition that he can do uh, it, for for the 2021 season. 
Theo expected to play a big role this season. Keandre Lambert-Smith also uh, stepping up in year number two. He did emerge as a starter last year, certainly was overshadowed by a couple other wide receivers with Jahan Dotson leading the Big Ten in receiving and Parker Washington pushing for freshman of the year honors. But not to be slept on is Keandre Lambert-Smith, who came in as a blue chip recruit. I think he impressed when he first got to campus and then didn't get a chance for that spring practice. But by the time you got into a few games, Taylor Stubblefield, you know, took the kid gloves off, inserted him in that starting lineup, and he stayed there for the duration. We know he's got a a battle right now. Cam Solomon Brown, the veteran, wants to work his way into that first team role as well. But I think with Keandre Lambert-Smith, really an excellent chance here uh, starting in September to remind people uh, of why there was so much excitement, including for the two hosts on this podcast when he ultimately signed with Penn State. I think the full offseason uh, immeasurable in this one because this is a guy that was on the path last January, February, and then all of a sudden kind of fell off. And, you know, it's not really no fault of his own. He's one of those guys that when you go home, you just don't have the amenities to work out. You don't have all that stuff. And, and he came back and did what he did on basically no off season. Um, so it shows he's got a special kind of talent and it's just a matter of putting that together, getting bigger, getting stronger um, and, and kind of feeling yourself into how you fit into this room. Because obviously, as you mentioned, Dotson and Washington established uh, Sullivan Brown and, and Lambert Smith are kind of pushing each other right now. Um, but yeah, you're going to need that guy. You're going to need that guy in a big way. Um, and we'll see if he can make that transition, but I, I don't think, and it's really unfortunate to, to sort of think of, of it like this, but he did not have some of the advantages that some of his teammates did in the last offseason. And I think that probably led to him hitting that freshman wall. Six foot one, 185 pounds. He ended up starting five games last year, Sean, which, which, you know, in a nine game schedule to say that he started more than half the games, that, that says something for a true freshman. Obviously, Parker Washington was out there each and every week, but he had 15 catches, 138 yards. He didn't see any kind of big play. There wasn't a flash moment from Keandre Lambert Smith, but there was a lot of involvement. There was a lot of accrued reps. And here's what he had to say about what that experience will do serving him in year number two. I knew I come in here, I wanted to like, Work my way up the depth chart, and I wanted to play early. I didn't want to redshirt. So uh, making that happen, it was just like I feel more comfortable coming into year two. And I feel like I got some where I left off. So when I go back out there, it's not going to be like my first time out there. I'm going to feel comfortable, and I'm going to feel free, and I'm going to play. I'm a real competitor. So day one, when I got on campus, I competed. Uh, and I'm just a hard worker. I'm a hard worker. And uh, that's just always been me. So wherever I was at high school, middle school, I just always competed and I worked hard and let the, let the rest play out. And you mentioned before, and, and I mentioned it as well, when you have someone like Parker Washington show up to campus late in the summer and by the time you're ready to in October, be firmed up in that first team role, catching a touchdown in game one and just taking it off from there. That's going to you know, impact the dynamics a little bit within your freshman class. And uh, hearing Keandre talk about his first brush with, with Parker Washington back on the camp circuit and then the first year with Parker Washington, it's going to be exciting to see how these guys push each other. Just listen to this. I actually met Parker at the opener and I, and I knew, like you said, I knew Parker was nice and I knew he was like, a good, a good asset who was about to come play with me when he committed. I think he committed before me, actually. So I knew he was committed and I was like, okay. But when I, when I first, when I finally met him up here during the summertime, we, uh, we weren't with the team yet. We were just throwing. I was all doing seven on sevens and stuff. And I was just, we was doing footwork drills, doing basic drills. And I could tell like, yeah, he's been like coach. He's, 
he's a he's a good wideout. And from there, we just been working together, working as a whole wide receiver core. You know, he brought he got he got us right with some drills. We introduced him to stuff. It, that's what we all put our brains together and just work on different stuff, help each other out, critique each other. We compete like even now we compete in a lot of stuff. We even had a drill where it's supposed to be offense and defense, but they called me and Parker. So we we compete in everything we do from workouts. I'm next to him. I'm talking. If I win, I'm like, come on, Parker. If he wins, like we at Drake. So I mean, we go back and forth. We know that we're both capable of like being you know, big time guys, and we want to push each other to make sure that we do reach that goal. So I mean, I'm excited to see what, what what's in store for him. All right, Sean, that's uh, the lowdown from Keandre and Theo. Uh, we hope to have more guys as the offseason continues and eventually get face-to-face with these players. It's been way too long since since we got to uh, actually have a conversation in person with some of these guys. But we do have a lot to look at still fr- from their class on the offensive side of the football because while these are, are two we expect to impact things in September and beyond in 2021, there's guys on this list that we may not see for a while. One that we don't have to worry about is Parker Washington, who we spent a lot of time uh, discussing here. But Malik Mega is someone that Keandre Lambert-Smith spoke very highly of. He said it it may take another year or two. You may have to wait until the 2022 season. But he says no one in this receiver room has a physique like Malik Mega. And when he gets all the basic things down, that's when Keandre Lambert-Smith says it's going to get special. Because all the intangibles and all the freaky things he's got waiting for him, he just got to get that foundation laid. That's a pretty good spot to be in if you've got all that stuff taken care of. You just got to round out the actual receiving part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Mega's probably going to take another year. And I think that, you know, you look at the, what they brought in with that five receiver class and they're still looking at receivers in the portal kind of tells you where they're at with the guys that are ready and the guys that are not. Um, you thought Mega maybe maybe coming in as a typical redshirt freshman might be able to be that guy. I still think there's some polishing that goes on there. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield's got a, a job ahead of him there. Um, and, and honestly, it's it's kind of you're going to have to lump Mega and Dotton together because Dotton's kind of the opposite. Dotton was more of the polished receiver, and you were going to see the physical side of it have to come along with putting on weight, with uh, you know getting faster. He's never the fastest kid, and really Dotton might be just a, a smidge ahead. I still think Mega is probably the the long term guy that that could have the biggest ceiling there, but also could possibly could possibly eventually be a miss because you, you're not sure when that when those skills are going to come around. So I think that's a very interesting dynamic. Those two are going to be lumped together. Keandre and Parker Washington are going to be lumped together. So very interesting dynamic in that class right there. So I'm, I'm curious to see where Mega is in, in August and to see if maybe maybe he's a gamer, maybe that clicks or something like that and, and see if that comes along. But I agree with what you said that I, I haven't heard the Keandre the audio yet, but I still think he's probably another year away. From a couple of unproven commodities at receiver that Sean just mentioned to the running back room where we saw quite a bit of the two true freshmen last year. Kevon Lee uh, taking the reins as the lead running back down the stretch of the season ended up leading Penn State in rushing yards. Sean, I've said before, I I would probably peg him number two behind Noah Kane projecting who's going to lead this running back room in in opportunities this year. Uh, But it's really hard to see. It can't discount Kevon Lee after what we saw in Beaver Stadium. He was one of the more impressive players, uh, the couple of scrimmages that we got to peek in on six foot listed at almost 240 pounds I think he's got more burst than what we saw last year and I think more importantly we, last year a lot of times we saw a an athlete getting the ball given to him in, in the backfield and then trying to do something with it I think we're going to see much more n- nuanced running back and I can't hammer this point 
enough. He did not play football in 2019 before he got to campus. It really remarkable what he was able to do based on his body of work in the year leading up to that. So um, kudos to him, but you know, he does have to work on some things. He's, you know, you, you want him to, I don't want to say slim down, but you want him to be efficient with his weight. You want him to be a little bit faster than he was. And, you know, if he can do that, if he can get that 40 time down or whatever, um, then you've all of a sudden got yourself a pretty complete back. Um, it's going to take, a bit. I mean, he, this was a kid that came in really no lifting background whatsoever. So you you're hoping as a coach, when you get that kid on campus, even though he looks fantastic, you're, you're hoping you can develop his lower body. You're hoping you can you sort of squeeze some speed out of him via the strength program. And I, I'm not sure where he's at in terms of where, how he's running right now, but if you can get him faster, then you've, you've got a shot. And that's, uh, that's kind of the, the big knock on, on Lee, but you just go back and you look at that Michigan game and how tough that he ran. And, and you certainly need that in your, in your backfield. So I'm excited to see what kind of progress he, he can make. I honestly, I, I thought we'd see more progress from Keziah Holmes. I know that, you know, the, the off season kind of like Keandre Lambert Smith, the off season was not the best thing for him to go back to, to Florida and have to train on his own. And, and really the nutrition comes into play and, and things like that. So when he came back, I mean, he just found himself behind and he really never dug out of that hole. They did give him some carries late in the season. He, he looked okay with it, but did, really didn't see that, uh, you know, that big game changing burst that we were hoping to see. So I, just like with Keandre Lambert Smith, that off season, I think uh, is very important for Keziah Holmes. If he's going to really make a dent in this, uh, this coming season. Probably had his, his first moment where you paid attention to Kaziah uh, against Nebraska on the road, um, you know, flashed a little bit there. And then at the end of the, the season against an Illinois defense that we must say couldn't stop anyone that day, uh, 96 all-purpose yards, a couple touchdowns in the regular season finale. I can't figure out how Kaziah Holmes fits in, Sean. I think John Lovett is going to have a role coming in as a senior transfer. I know Noah Kane, it, 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 they are eager and, and ready and willing to give him the ball a bunch when he is healthy. And then, as I said, Kevon Lee is going to be hard to, to step aside for anybody. Devin Ford, we've talked about a lot as a mystery man a couple of years after his blue chip recruitment. And and because I Holmes, we've probably talked about the least out of these five guys. And, and I just, for the life of me, can't figure out how he fits in right now. I third J1 Sider will figure that out. Um, and Or perhaps we won't see much of Holmes in year number two. Yeah, it's uh, very much up in the air right now in terms of what the expectation should be for him. I'm curious, you know, maybe he's you work him out of the slot, maybe you work him around a little bit. We've seen, we we saw, or what basically what we know about Keziah Holmes right now is based on his high school pedigree. There, obviously, Wildcat quarterback, running back, very fast guy, running away from kids in Florida, which uh, at that level is not tough to, or not easy to do. Um, but yeah, how does that translate to the next level? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, and I think the the jury very much uh, still out on that one. I'm pretty sure J1 Sutter started recruiting Keziah Holmes his freshman year when he was with the Florida Gators staff. So he's had a long time to figure out what to do with this young man on a football field, and that will continue into the summer. How about this offensive line group? Let's lump them all together. I'm going to throw these guys your way, Sean. You've got Olu Fashano, Jimmy Chris, Nick Dawkins, Golden Israel Achumba, Ibrahim Traore. If there was a red shirt last year, they all would have been redshirted. Regardless, here they are, freshmen once again. Fashano seems to factor in as a second team guy based on what we've seen and what we've heard of working in on the right side at tackle. The rest of the guys, maybe not so much. What do we make of, of, of a big offensive line class? And as it turns out, that was followed by a very small offensive line class. You will have to lump these guys all together. I still don't think anybody's ready to make that leap. And you've got a bit of experience in front of them. So that's not really that surprising. Fashanu, I, I think, I don't think it's any secret. He's the the top guy in that group, probably a two deep guy at this point, backing up. 
I, I hesitate to say backing up Rasheed Walker left tackle because, you know, you've got Des Holmes there. You can move some guys around um, and that's that's kind of how they use their backups. Um, but uh, I still think that you could throw him out there. I don't know if it'd be the prettiest, uh, prettiest pass set that you've ever seen, but he's still coming along in that aspect. But he's big. He can move and he's been able to, uh, to certainly uh, step it up at times in practice. So I think that he's probably the furthest along of that group. Um, Israel Chumba has dealt with some injuries at some at, at points during not only his high school career, but also his college career. So once he gets that squared away, he's done some really nice things, but he's got to be out there longer. Uh, we saw kind of an extended look at him in the spring. So hopefully that can come along, but I still think there's, there's certainly some smoothing out to do of his game. Jimmy Christ, uh, probably two or three deep guy right now. I, th- I think all these guys, you know, just kind of back in the, back in the shadows right now. I don't, uh, if you're seeing them, it's probably not a great thing. Of course you went out and got Eric Wilson, the grad transfer. Um, so, you know, you, you, you like the long-term things. I think Nick Dawkins is a guy that is very intriguing to me, potentially as a center down the line, hardworking kid, great kid. Um, just to, I don't know that he's as physically gifted as some of his teammates, but at the same time, he's done some good things in there. And I think you could see him working his way eventually to being a, a contributor, not immediately, but maybe uh, a couple of years into his career. Ibrahim Troy, uh, physically very good, uh, just a long way to go in terms of being a football player. And and I think that's, is that all five of them? I think that's all five. Uh, of them. Did you skip Golden? Uh, no, I talked about Golden because he had the injury problems, and uh, you know he's coming. I'm along. sorry, they're all lumped together in my yeah. mind. Uh, it's it's so. But by the way, uh, big guys, yeah, Golden's a big guy. Uh, that reaffirmed that guy. at Beaver Stadium, and I'm like, who's the 25 year old down there? Oh wait, that's the second year freshman, Golden Israel Achumba. Uh, Jimmy Chris was working at tackle. We saw Dawkins and, and Israel Achumba inside. Um, if memory serves me right, we didn't see Ibrahim Traore involved with scrimmage action, but I, I, I could have missed him. It may not have been much, but he seems to be the guy that that is getting the developmental tag as we kind of anticipated. Yeah, I think he's very developmental. Um, and I, physically, he looks great. A big kid, uh, really willing to learn. It's just about putting it together. I think he came came in a little behind in terms of just football fundamentals and things like that. So they're working that out. But that's why you got a redshirt year. No, yeah. potentially you have a second redshirt year. No, no kidding. You, you get the feel now, Sean, that year three is going to be uh, where we, we really start to reveal a lot about this offensive line group. You're going to lose some key components next offseason. But what a great thing for, for Phil Troutwine to be able to do that, to basically have these guys tucked away for a couple of years. Obviously, if someone's good enough to play high caliber Big Ten football, they're going to get on the field. But to not have to rush these guys in the field and maybe have a two year incubation process where you're getting them some 2D preps some late game reps. And then year three, you get the chance to, to kind of unleash them a bit and see what you've got and compete for starting jobs. It's a pretty enviable position uh, across college football. I'm not saying that Penn State has built the best offensive line in the room in the country, but I think it does suggest that they have made strides in recent years. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you got to build up those numbers first, and then some are going to hit, some are not going to hit. But you know, you you want to hit more often than not. They were lucky to hit in some classes uh, a few years back where they got in some multi-year starters. You've gotten Rasheed Walker that you know came in and started as a redshirt freshman and, and has been there ever since. Caden Wallace was an early starter. Not all those guys are going to be early starters, but at the same time, you, you kind of got to balance who those guys that are ready. And then those developmental guys, if you have eight guys ready, you're in a pretty good spot. And I feel like Penn State's got eight guys to roll with right now. 
as we've said, tight end is in an excellent spot. And we circle back there to finish off this conversation because Tyler Warren was maybe the guy that, that we knew the least amount about when, when he signed with Penn State. I know you had a, an interview with him before he enrolled, but he was not on social media. He was a high school quarterback, didn't do a lot of uh, interviews. And now here he is, six foot six, 250 pounds, six, uh, a four, six, four, 40 yard dash at that size. Talked about how impressive Theo Johnson is looking and moving around these days. Tyler Warren is no slouch. And Theo Johnson, we won't play the audio clip because there's not a ton to it. But he said that he feels like Tyler Warren is being slept on as much as anybody on this offense right now. Well, I mean, he might be my new Nick Bowers. We'll say that. You know how much I love me some Nick Bowers. And hopefully he can get he can get to that point earlier than it took Nick. Well, we've got you you've got Pat Fryermuth and Nick Bowers, where, you know, on for yeah, obviously Nick had some things to work with with inj- or work through with injuries, but you've got guys that are, you know, pretty bona fide studs out there and strange and Johnson. And then you've got Warren who is kind of be the gonna be the guy that you kind of forget about at times. So hopefully, you know, he if he can put together um a career like Bowers, better than Bowers, whatever, whatever you may be. Um, I think that's, that's a pretty good spot to be in. You've got Khalil Dinkins coming in this summer as well at tight end, but uh, he's kind of the forgotten man. I'm excited to see how he can develop because this is a guy that they were, they were really pumped about getting even despite the lack of, I mean, maybe that's a, maybe that's a reason they were excited, the lack of social media presence. Uh, But yeah, they, they were really excited about getting an athletic body and teaching him the position and seeing where he could go from there. And the 24-7 Sports Rankings Council was pretty enamored with Tyler Warren and as a prospect. They couldn't give him that kind of blue chip rating because they hadn't seen him play tight end yet. But if you remember, we had Barton Simmons on this podcast before he took that Vanderbilt general manager job, and he couldn't say enough about Tyler Warren. And, and maybe that's a guy down the road that they didn't give enough love to. But he also said if a kid's playing quarterback in high school and he's going to play somewhere else uh, at the next level, that's a difficult transition to forecast. Uh, but uh, Tyler Warren, don't forget that name. And, and even as early here in 20. 2021 with what is in that tight end room. Sean, you've got the the kids home from school in just a bit. It's a half day and it is summer break starting. I did not realize you were getting the return of recruiting here at Penn State and your kids back at home full time in one fell swoop. But here we are. And because of that, we're probably going to have to skip on the mailbag. I promise we'll get to a a plenty of questions down the road. No, it's okay. I don't want to leave my kids stranded at school on the last day. (laughs) So I appreciate the the leeway here. We'll get back to the mailbag next week. And and hopefully we've got Andy lined up for Monday. Day. So hopefully that's going to be the basis of next show. Always some interesting stuff there, but I thought we did a nice job of scrambling here and, and making something out of nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it was helpful to talk to a couple of Penn State players late in the week to get to get some feedback from them. But uh, yeah, a lot going on in the recruiting world. As we've said, you can catch it all up at lines247.com, 60% off through the weekend. Um, and by the way, just a couple of notes here. We have write-ups on these at lines247.com. Penn State quarterback commit Drew. Drew Aller invited to the Elite 11 Finals in Los Angeles in July. Um, he may be throwing to Makai Flowers out there, invited to the opening. Uh, those two things happen in conjunction out in Southern California. Uh, travel plans may dictate things a bit, but uh, nice honors for two Penn State commits there in Flowers and Aller. Wanted to mention that coming out of the show. Um, Sean, I think that's it. We've got a lot more recruiting to cover this weekend because kids are actually here in town. We'll bring you the latest in coverage along with our 24-7 Sports Recruiting Network team. Uh, In the meantime, we'll step aside for a moment, come back with a couple more podcast episodes next week. Download, rate, review, and all that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. We'll talk to you real soon. You can now relive the best 
best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.